everybody. Welcome to the 65th episode in our World News Podcast. This podcast, along with all of our other news episodes, are part of Atlas News. Check out the Lethal Minds Journal, a veteran and active duty publication focusing on foreign and military affairs, art, and culture. Take a look at the journal's Bulletin from the Borderlands, a bi-weekly foreign affairs publication from multiple talented intelligence analysts and independent journalists. Head over to lethalmindsjournal.substack.com or Instagram at lethal.minds dot journal to see more please consider supporting us on patreon patreon.com slash analyze educate ko-fi ko-fi.com slash analyze educate or now on substack at analyze educate.substack.com you can find all those links in the show notes below and with that being said we will head into the news all right getting started off here you guys have helped us reach over 25,000 downloads and over 1,600 followers on Spotify. So thank you very much for all your support. Taking a look at Europe and Eurasia. Looking at France, French police are currently investigating an attack that happened on the 4th. A Jewish woman believed to be in her 30s was stabbed inside her home in the city of Lyon. She was stabbed twice in the stomach by an unidentified attacker who then carved a swastika on her door and fled the scene. He is still currently on the run. Looking at the Russo-Ukrainian war, Russian forces are on the offensive in the vicinity of Avdivka in Donetsk Oblast against Ukrainian positions of the 53rd and 110th Mechanized Brigades. The Russians tried two big pushes from the south near Bodani and in the north near Krasnohorivka with the goal of encircling Avdivka. Fighting is still ongoing near Krasnohorivka and near the southern outskirts of the city while there is no current fighting going on within city limits. Local Ukrainian officials believe that the Russians are preparing for a third big push, which will likely target the Adyevka coke and chemical plant. Also, on the fourth, Russian sources claim that a Russian Navy Karakut-class corvette was hit and heavily damaged in a Ukrainian strike on the shipbuilding yard in Kerch, Crimea. I'm still standing by for more information on that, but it would not be the first time that a Russian vessel was damaged or destroyed while docked in Crimea. Looking at the Indo-Pacific region, Nepal on the 3rd, a 5.6 magnitude earthquake hit the Himalayan country. As of 1900 Pacific time on Friday, 128 people were dead, hundreds more were injured, and an unknown number of people were thought to still be trapped in the rubble. Looking at China, thanks to my man, Hui Nguyen, for sending me this story, and I'm sorry for butchering your name, I'm sure I just did. Foreign investment in China has gone negative for the first time in decades. This is looking at Q3 2023 from July to September. And what this means is that more foreign direct investment left China during that time than the amount that entered it for the first time since 1998. In September, a survey of companies by the Japanese Chamber of Commerce and Industry found that half said that they would not invest in China this year or that they would invest less than they did last year. Another survey found that 66% of respondents cited worsening relations between China and the U.S. as a major business challenge in China. Another challenge that some companies cited was the revised Chinese counter-espionage law that broadens the scope of what the government views as spying. Along the same lines, Chinese laws lack transparency, according to Yusuke Miura, a senior researcher at NIL Research Institute. I'm sorry, that is NLI Research Institute. 
One large company that has announced it will decrease investment in China significantly is Mitsubishi Motors, which announced last month that it will cease production in China completely. Moving on to Japan, Japan will be giving some military equipment to the Philippines under its Government Security Capacity Development Assistance Program, otherwise known as OSA. The Philippines will be given patrol boats and radars in order to keep the Chinese in check in the West Philippine Sea. As you may know, there's been a couple incidents there between uh, the Philippine and Chinese Coast Guards within recent months. The OSA seeks to bolster the capabilities of smaller militaries through defense equipment provision. Japanese Foreign Minister, I'm sorry, Prime Minister Fumio Kishida will be meeting with Filipino President Ferdinand Marcos Jr. on Friday to discuss security issues, trade, investment, and other topics. Moving on to the Middle East, of course, we are looking at the war between Israel and Hamas. We'll start off with reported casualties here. Again, these are reported casualties. These are not 100% confirmed by any means. Looking at Gaza, of course, this is from the Gazan Health Ministry, which is run by Hamas. They have 9,257 people killed, 23,516 injured. Looking at Israel, you have 1,405 people killed, 5,431 people injured. Looking at the IDF's operation into Gaza, the casualties for that, you have 28 IDF personnel killed in action and 260 wounded. If you want to average it out since this began on the 28th, that's about three and a half IDF personnel killed every day and about 32, 33 wounded daily. Looking at the West Bank, you have 132 people killed. Most of those are Palestinians and you have 2,000 injured. Looking at Lebanon, you have 58 killed. 57 of those are members of Hezbollah. The one is a Reuters journalist that was killed in an IDF strike a couple weeks back, and you also have nine injured. Looking at Syria, you have two people killed. Egypt, you have nine injured. We went over those in the last episode, and that is for a total of 10,882 killed and 31,218 people injured. Moving on, Hezbollah General Secretary Hassan Nasrallah gave a speech on Friday in Lebanon, his first public speech since the war began. Despite all the hype that Hezbollah and its supporters generated before the speech, uh, it was a whole lot of nothing, really just the typical attack Israel, Islamic resistance, America's the great Satan rhetoric. He didn't declare full war against Israel. And at this point, I'll be surprised if he does. But, you know, of course, we'll be standing by to see if anything develops from that, I don't think it will. Israel's ground assault on Gaza began on the 28th, as I was saying, with Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu publicly announcing it at around 9 o'clock p.m., 2100 local time. In his address, Netanyahu referred to the war as another war of independence. Israeli forces have reached the coastline of Gaza, just north of Wadi Gaza. That's effectively what separates north and south Gaza, and that move has effectively isolated Gaza City. There are currently over 20,000 Israeli troops from at least two divisions operating inside Gaza right now. The IDF has had, as I was saying, at least 28 servicemen killed in action since the assault began. That brings the total number of IDF personnel killed since October 7th to 341. And of course, the vast majority of those were killed in the October 7th attack in the aftermath of it. In one incident during the ground operation, 11 Israeli soldiers were killed when their Namer armored personnel carrier that they were riding in was hit by an anti-tank guided missile. That is the single largest loss of life for Israeli troops so far in the operation. 
On the 4th, the IDF, led by the Gaza Division, carried out a limited raid in southern Gaza to map out buildings and clear explosives. This is the first known raid into southern Gaza since the war began. Until that raid, all of the action has been north of Wadi Gaza. Again, that officially, I'm sorry, effectively separates the territory north to south. During the raid, a Hamas cell was supposedly killed when it emerged from a tunnel to engage Israeli troops. Moving on, the IDF has foiled a network of fake social media profiles that attempted to extract information from soldiers on behalf of Hamas. These profiles were allegedly operated by countries within the, quote, Axis of Resistance, which is a formal coalition of anti-Israel nations and terror groups led by Iran. The profiles tried to catfish Israeli soldiers using voice and video recordings, as well as other profiles to pose as family members in order to make the profile seem legit. This network consisted of dozens of fake profiles, mostly on Instagram, and the Israeli government is still investigating this. Humanitarian aid convoys have been flowing through the Rafah gate on the Egypt-Gaza border. Hundreds of foreign nationals have also been allowed to leave Gaza through the gate, including at least 360 Americans. Israel is maintaining that it will not allow aid into Gaza. That includes fuel. The Gaza Strip is beginning to run out of fuel due to the Israeli blockade, although it is believed that Hamas has multiple months' worth of fuel stocks in its tunnels. Of course, all aid that gets into Gaza has the strong possibility of falling into the hands of Hamas as they are the governing authority in the Gaza Strip. Over 241 people are being held hostage in Gaza. Over 135 of those are citizens of other countries, although most of them do have dual Israeli citizenship with another country. So far, four hostages have been released. That is not included in the number of 241. Among those four hostages that were released includes two Americans with dual citizenship, a mother and a daughter who are now home in the U.S. On the third, an Israeli airstrike targeted and hit an ambulance convoy traveling along the Al-Rashid Street in Gaza City, that is along the coastline. The convoy was coming from the Al-Shifa Hospital and was reportedly traveling to Rafah Gate to evacuate patients. The IDF claims that the ambulance is being used by a Hamas cell. Videos from the scene show multiple civilians killed and severely wounded, including women and children. The Gaza Health Ministry claims that 15 people were killed in the strike, and Israel itself has acknowledged the strike, as I was saying. Israeli security forces have arrested over 1,220 wanted Palestinians in the West Bank since the war began. Among those are 740 persons affiliated with Hamas, which does have a presence in the area despite not being the governor governing authority excuse me in it since the 17th there have been at least 28 drone and rocket attacks on u.s troops in iraq and syria the pentagon has confirmed 24 casualties so far minor casualties i will say despite the pentagon saying that it sees no direct linkage between these attacks and the situation in israel and gaza iraqi militias claim that these attacks were a part of al-aqsa flood which is hamas's name its current war with Israel. The U.S. military finally responded after the 17th attack on the orders of President Biden on the 27th. U.S. Air Force F-16s hit two targets belonging to Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps and some of its proxy militias. However, there have been at least 11 attacks since then with no response. The, quote, Islamic resistance of Iraq has now claimed most of these attacks. They've also claimed at least two attacks near Israel, near the southern city of Ilat, 
and in the Dead Sea. The group of militias also claims that it will use heavier weapons in its strikes next week. The Iraqi Ministry of Defense has issued orders to all units in preparation for the potential for a regional conflict. The Iraqi Air Force and Army Aviation is to deploy all available aircraft to bases. All divisions are to establish alternative headquarters and to staff them. Ammunition and supply caches are to be scattered. Armor and other specialized vehicles are to be deployed. All commanders are to inspect and remain with their units and force protection procedures are to be implemented and intelligence networks are to be activated. CNN citing unnamed government officials reported that the U.S. has, quote, intelligence that Syrian President Bashar al-Assad has agreed to give Lebanese Hezbollah a Russian-made pantsir anti-air system. NATO calls it an SA-22. That is the NATO reporting name. The reporting claims that the Wagner Group, which does operate in Syria, will oversee the delivery of the SA-22. No indication as to when this may happen. Personally, I'll believe it when I see it. I'm a little skeptical of that, but we'll be keeping an eye on it. Got some foreign relations updates as far as this war goes. Turkey has recalled its ambassador to Israel for, quote, consultations. Israel's ambassador had already left Turkey some time ago due to security concerns. Turkey, I'm sorry, Israel is also advising all of its citizens to remain I'm sorry, refrain from traveling to Turkey. And if they are currently in Turkey right now, they should leave immediately due to those security concerns. Relations between the two countries have nosedived since the war began. In recent years, their relations have been warming up. In 2022, they decided to restore full diplomatic ties and return ambassadors to their countries. Now, Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan has blamed Israel and the West for the violence that has unfolded since the October 7th attack. He has particularly blamed Prime Minister Netanyahu, saying that he is, quote, someone we can no longer talk to. We have written him off, end quote. He has also said that Hamas was not a terrorist organization, but a, quote, Mujahideen liberation group. Erdogan at one point attended a pro-Hamas rally in the Turkish capital of Ankara and said that, quote, Turkey will work actively to see Israel declared a war criminal internationally, end quote. Bolivia has cut diplomatic ties with Israel, citing war crimes and human rights abuses being committed by Israeli forces in Gaza. Former Bolivian President Evo Morales, who leads the governing party in Bolivia, called for Israel to be labeled a, quote, terrorist state and called for Netanyahu to be charged in the International Criminal Court for genocide and war crimes. Bolivia, then under a left-wing government, broke off diplomatic ties with Israel in 2009 after an invasion into Gaza. Ties were then reestablished in 2020 when Bolivia was under a right-wing government, but as I was saying, now they've cut ties again. On that same day, Colombia and Chile recalled their ambassadors from Tel Aviv. President Luis Inacio Lula da Silva of Brazil criticized the airstrike campaign in Gaza. He has not recalled his ambassador, though. At the United Nations last week, the Russian ambassador Vasily Nebenzia said that Israel did not have the right to self-defense as it was an occupying power. That is a signal as to what side Russia supports in this conflict. Russia and Israel have, generally speaking, had fairly warm relations, especially under Prime Minister Netanyahu. So this is definitely interesting to see. Looking at Yemen, there have been some claims that Yemen declared war on Israel. This is not entirely true. 
Um, this supposed declaration came from the Houthi movement, which is the organization that is currently in the middle of a civil war with the Yemeni government. While they do control the capital of the country, uh, again, that very that civil war is still very active, and by no means do they speak for the entire country. Additionally, the Houthis have always claimed to be at war with Israel since the movement was founded in 1994. The group's official slogan is, quote, God is the greatest, death to America, death to Israel, cursed be the Jews, victory to Islam, end quote. Since the war began, the Houthis have launched multiple failed attacks on southern Israel using drones and missiles, but again, all of Yemen is not at war with Israel. That's not true. Moving on to Algeria, there have also been reports that the Algerian parliament unanimously voted to authorize the president to go to war with Israel. This is not true either. They held a special session to address the war and show support for Palestinians, but Algeria will not be attacking Israel. Technically speaking, the two nations are still at war since they never signed a peace deal at the end of the 1967 war anyway. And we got an update on allied naval forces in the region, thanks to Ian Ellis and Intel Schizo on Twitter for their infographics help out a lot. The Israeli Navy currently has two corvettes operating south of Cyprus. Uh, U.S. Navy's forward carrier strike group is west of Cyprus. The Dwight D. Eisenhower carrier strike group just transited the Suez Canal and is currently in the Red Sea. Both those carrier strike groups just conducted a three-day joint training exercise before Ike left the Eastern Med. And again, that transited uh, Suez Canal today, actually today, Saturday. So this is a fairly new development. The Bataan Amphibious Readiness Group is also in the Red Sea, and it will remain there for the time being. Of course, that has the 26th Marine Expeditionary Unit embarked on it. French helicopter carrier FS Tonnery, as well as two other accompanying French ships are currently south of Cyprus as well. British Littoral Response Group South is also near Cyprus. NATO Standing Group 2 is in the Sea of Crete, as it was last week. The UN Interim Force in Lebanon, they have a maritime task force, and that has five ships currently operating in the eastern Mediterranean as well. And there are currently at least 14 other Allied ships, including U.S. ships, that are not currently assigned to a task force, but are still operating in the region. We will take a quick break and we'll be right back. All right, we're back and we're taking a look at the America's Bulletin from the Borderlands just released on the 1st. The America's Desk covered a potential conflict between Venezuela and Guyana over a centuries-old border dispute. And we also covered the Venezuelan opposition being banned from taking part in next year's presidential election. Looking at the U.S. presidential race update, these polls are averages from 538. Biden's approval is at 39. His disapproval is at 54 both of those remain the same from last week. Trump's favorability is at 40. His unfavorability is at 55. Both of those also remain the same from last week. Looking at the Republican primary, Trump is at 59%. He is up two points from last week. DeSantis is at 13. He is down two points. And Nikki Haley is at 8%. She remains the same from last week. 
Former Vice President Mike Pence has also dropped out of the Republican race. I missed that last weekend. Moving on, Citizens Bank in Sac City, Iowa, was closed down by the Iowa Division of Banking on Friday, becoming the sixth bank failure in the country this year. Its deposits have been moved to other local banks. Moving on, the MV Cape Orlando, a roll-on, roll-off ship with the U.S. Ready Reserve Fleet, was activated on November 3rd. The Ready Reserve Fleet is full of ships that can be activated within five days for military and non-military emergencies. The Department of Transportation manages these ships while the fleet is inactive. Cape Orlando was activated from the Pacific Reserve Fleet in Alameda, California, and is currently en route to Tacoma, Washington. The pro-Palestinian group Arab Resource and Organizing Center claims that the ship is heading to Fort Lewis, Washington, where it will pick up munitions and ship them off to Israel. That is not confirmed, and Sal Mercogliano, who runs the What is Going On with Shipping Twitter and YouTube channel, doubts that claim. The journey would be long and expensive, as well as dangerous, considering the attacks on Israel in recent weeks. Also, ready reserve fleet ships are operated by merchant mariners who are civilians. They are not U.S. military personnel. Cape Orlando was the subject of a protest in Oakland on the 3rd. Roughly 200 pro-Palestine protesters were able to enter the port terminal in Oakland where the ship was docked. Some of them even chained themselves to the ship to keep it from leaving the port of Oakland. According to Sal, this is a security failure. While the ships did not have the same security measures as a Navy ship would, these protesters shouldn't have even been able to enter the terminal in the first place as a special ID card is needed to enter ports in the country. After a few hours, local law enforcement and Coast Guard personnel were able to disperse the protesters and the ship was able to leave port. It is currently en route to Washington. Four protesters were arrested during that incident. Over the week, a Jordanian national living in Spring, Texas, was arrested by federal authorities. Sohaib Abuyayesh, 20 years old, first came to the U.S. on a tourist visa for two months in 2016. He then returned to the country in 2019 using a Palestinian passport. In 2020, he applied for asylum, which is still pending. In August of this year, he was granted a work authorization for two years. He is accused of illegally owning a firearm as well as studying how to build explosives. His immigration status does not allow him to own firearms. The FBI believes, due to his social media posts, that he was planning to carry out attacks against Jews. The judge's order that is keeping him in federal custody at this moment said that Abu Yesh made multiple statements that he, quote, wants to go to Gaza to fight, end quote. Moving on to former DAA agents are currently on trial in the federal court in Manhattan over the case of Alex Saab. Saab is a Colombian businessman that has a close relationship with Venezuelan President Nicolas Maduro. In 2019, he was charged by U.S. federal authorities with money laundering of up to $350 million related to a bribery scheme within the Venezuelan government, and he was later convicted on that indictment in a U.S. federal court. Maduro claims that Saab was a Venezuelan diplomat and he was en route to Iran to negotiate an oil deal when he was arrested in 2020. DEA agent John Costanzo Jr., in a phone call to his former boss at the DAA, revealed the exact date in 2019 when federal authorities planned to charge Saab in Miami. Costanzo's former boss and now co-defendant, Manny Rocio, retired from the DAA and went to work as an investigator for Luis Guerra and David Massey, two high-level Miami defense attorneys. 
Costanzo was allegedly paid $73,000 in cash by Recio for revealing the date of Saab's indictment. The two lawyers were described by prosecutors as, quote, crooked attorneys that paid for DEA secrets, but it isn't clear why they have not been charged as well. And last story of the week, over the week, the House of Representatives passed a bill that would supply Israel with $14.5 billion in foreign aid. President Joe Biden initially wanted a bill worth $100 billion that combined aid for Ukraine, Israel, as well as other funding for the southern border and some other provisions as well. House Republicans under the new Speaker Mike Johnson refused to bundle the aid packages, opting to take them up individually instead. While they passed the Israel aid package, it looks like it won't go much further than that right now. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, the Democrat of New York, said that the individual packages dead on arrival in the Senate before it even gets to a vote. And Biden indicated that he would veto any bill that does not combine all the packages that he wanted. That is all I have for you guys this week. I want to thank you all for supporting this podcast. It means a lot to me. You can find this podcast on your favorite apps. That includes Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen, we're there. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Analyze Educate. That is all one word. We are also on Telegram, Analyze and Educate. Be sure to leave us a five-star rating on the app used to listen to this podcast. That helps us out a lot as well. And please consider supporting us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Analyze Educate. Ko-fi, ko-fi.com slash Analyze Educate or analyzeeducate.substack.com. All the links to the ways to support us and our socials are in the show notes below as well. And I will see you guys soon.